2: Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. We are already connected via the Zoom call. I am here. Matthew is here. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. And, Matthew, we are joined by the guy who always has to be here when we do a TV movie pertaining to the facts of life. It's Paul Padilla. Hello, everybody. (laughs) He's back. You were here very recently. People should still remember the dulcet tones of your voice.
1: Yeah. I don't even remember when that was, but it wasn't too long ago.
2: 227 episodes.
1: Yay. Congratulations.
2: And this is number 228. I am blown away. And we are here to discuss the amazing television cinematic masterpiece that is the facts of life reunion oh i have been looking forward to this so much i cannot wait to start really digging in and talking about this uh but we can't yet no 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 oh, damn it. this is my show <laughs> uh... we got some housekeeping matthew chill <laughs> we have some housekeeping to take care of Last week, my rant about where the fuck was Natalie. Do you notice I put her into the picture that I posted on the social medias and stuff? I took and I actually photoshopped her in on the phone as she was on the episode. Well, two people responded to that, both of them Tutti fruities. Michael B. commented on the Patreon that uh, he says, if I remember correctly, Mindy was basically a roadie for her friend Belinda Carlisle on tour in 1988. Did James say that on the show? He might have known that. And remember, she did have a picture of Belinda Carlisle in Natalie's bedroom. You know, that was totally Mindy that made that happen. But then uh, just today, Amy W commented on Facebook and I'm reading this. These are her words here. I was shocked when Natalie wasn't in the last episode. I sought out podcasts with Mindy and learned it was because she had the opportunity to go on tour with Belinda Carlisle and in excess. And the studio let her. Pretty cool. There's a bunch of podcast interviews out there that are good. If you want to hear about her skipping the finale, check out Growing Up Beverly Hills, which I guess is the name of a podcast. And at the 39 minute, 55 second mark, and she discusses it there. And the podcast was from 2021. Oh, my God. Amy, thank you for
0: doing that work. Because I've got like a five minute drive to work now. So like i needed to know otherwise it would have taken me three weeks to get to
2: 39
1: minutes
2: <laughs> let's talk about some facts facts regarding the facts of life reunion which broadcast on november 18th of 2001 uh this is not included in the dvd box set and uh matthew remind me didn't you tell me that the other two movies are also not on the box set that you have
0: Australia, I think, is missing from the box set that I have, David, because I remember I had to watch it on Pluto or something.
2: That's right. Now it's coming back to me. Uh, yeah, it's weird because the box set looks identical to the one that I have. Mine is is quite a bit older by several years. And for some reason, they stopped including that. The rights on it must have lapsed or something like that. But yes. anyhow. David's box is
0: much older than mine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, b- oh. I believe he
2: said lapsed. Ooh. <laughs> oh, is that another word you hate like puberty? No, it's just the idea of your lapsed
0: box, David. <laughs> it's the dinner hour.
2: Oh, I just walked right into that.
1: I've told this story before on the podcast and I'll tell it again, though, just because we're talking about this particular show. Um, you know, I was living in New York City uh, at the time of 9-11, this happened the same year as 9-11. And uh, I had just, you know, uh, got my first theater works tour. I was getting my equity card, I was very excited about it and, out of New York. And we started rehearsals on September 17th of two thousand. So uh, very, very shortly, you know, less than a week <clears throat> after everything happened. And uh, when I got there, uh, I met one of the actors, uh, his name was John, and uh, his father had died in the trade centers. And but he, his mom wanted him to continue with the rehearsals and and to you know uh, reoccupy his mind. And we became very good friends and uh, became roommates on tour. So it was very interesting to be with someone during that time, uh, you know, on the road and seeing the country during the holidays. And we became very close. When I knew that this was happening, we were somewhere in the country, and I looked at how many hours it would take us to get from where we were going to where we were going to be for us to see this reunion movie and so i was like we needed to get there and so he took it upon himself to go and talk to every cast member in tech and ask them if they would forgo their equity breaks or whatever to just drive straight through so that i could see the facts of life reunion movie and i remember being in this hotel and it was one of those old cool hotels with like the with like the indoor swimming pools and golf courts golf courses oh wow and uh and so we got there in time and i sat there and i watched it and i just remember the phone ringing many times in our room when it was over, all the cast members going, that's what we gave up our breaks for. (laughs) (laughs) They all watched it. I was like, I didn't mean you guys to watch it. Go to the pool. But they were like, that's (laughs) what we have our lunch breaks for. I was like, sorry, guys. But it was very sweet that this guy did that for me, you know, because it was a tough time for everybody
2: yeah and he knew how much this meant to you
1: that was a good memory
2: and that brings up the point that they did start filming on september 10th of 2001 so uh world trade center stuff was happening while they were trying to be happy and ha -ha, and we're all back together again i had no idea it was Uh,
1: so that that soon too
2: that's a fast turnaround too i'm like jesus Mm -hmm. You hear about, it, it's like, well, the new, latest Marvel movie wrapped. And when's it coming out? Uh, 2029. Right. right, It's like, Jesus. Granted, there wasn't as much post-production happening here. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So more of the facts, facts. Uh, oh, oh, to finish my previous one. It is on YouTube. Hooray. Hooray. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that they use pop music in it and they are the original versions of the pop music we have the village people's macho man we have the pointer sisters jump and we have devo's whip it and you know it's expensive af to secure the rights for that stuff
0: and do we ever have whip it oh do we ever
2: (laughs) it's the best it is joyful whip it as the finale but oh we have so many miles to go before we get there uh anyhow watch it on youtube while it's still there uh that's where it's been for a while hallelujah thank you for existing youtube and uh, a couple of different users i think have posted it so next fact fact it ran on a sunday night and it was on abc not nbc and it was run as an episode of the wonderful world of Disney. That completely. Baffles me. Why? Uh, because of the idea of. Who produces what. Who owns the property. And how networks. Are with. What they own. Mm-hmm. It just to me is like. Uh, how what what would make. Uh, Disney. The people who do the wonderful world of Disney say let's do a facts of life reunion movie without saying well that's an nbc property it's a norman lear norman lear never had a affiliation with abc and uh, this is that hollywood thing that i just don't understand it's like billing it's like uh, you know why is this actor above the other actor who is a producer and who's a supervising producer and who's an executive producer i i don't understand how all of this came to be, but I am so happy that it did. I'm glad. Okay.
0: Well, I won't, since you've got a fucking war and peace over there in notes, I won't go in to explain how that how that happened. So well, no, da- no, you- no, we are not gonna no, be for, you know? We're not gonna be here for fucking three hours, David. Yes,
2: we are. I'll edit it, no. but we're gonna be here for three hours. No,
0: I can't be. I will be on the floor.
2: Go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, your insomnia is about to come to an end, dear. Maybe in the middle of this. More facts, facts. Uh, This is, for all intents and purposes, a Thanksgiving movie. It didn't even occur to me that it was attached to a holiday. I love that it's a Thanksgiving movie and that they didn't make it Christmas. or Because there aren't that many Thanksgiving things out there, are there?
1: Uh, Not really. There are a couple of movies. Home for the Holidays. Mm -hmm. Jodie Foster directed that. Always liked that one. Um, yeah. yeah, you know,
2: not a lot of them. Yeah, Nancy McKeon does not appear in the film, other than in the still photo that Missus Garrett shows the cruise ship captain at the very, very beginning. Uh, she is mentioned and certainly kept quite alive through it, but it is pretty tragical that we didn't get her, that they couldn't have worked out the scheduling somehow or put it off till the next year or whatever. But she was already committed to her TV show and we're going to talk about that because they do give us a little wink to that when we first meet Joe's daughter and and Rick shows up with, with the kid. Um, however, there is no mention made whatsoever of Beverly Ann Andy or Pippa (laughs) they do mention George in passing and they joke about him going off to Hollywood to seek his fame and fortune as though George Burnett and George Clooney are suddenly the same person but
1: I missed that completely
2: oh oh yeah it's in there Uh, I'll have to look down in the basically the transcript I made of every single moment and every single word spoken in the entire thing which is what my notes are. Um, I do have to admit, even though I think what a shame, they, they could have mentioned the others, but they also, had they included them, we would have been in a situation where there were too many characters. And you could kind of argue there was maybe a little too much going on anyway, as it was. But at least make a mention, they could have said something. And, uh, and I do have a little fix coming up where I could have fixed one of those things. So next fact, fact, this is 13 years after the original series went off the air. So you know what that means. We need to review the ages of all the characters. I was
0: hoping that once they became women of a certain age, David, we wouldn't be so ageist. But
2: okay, go ahead. Nope, this isn't being ageist. This is being obsessivist. (laughs) Charlotte Ray is 75. And every
0: goddamn day of
2: it. <laughs> uh, Lisa welchel is 38, which would make Blair 37. Nancy McKeon would be 35, and Joe would be 37 if we saw them. Same age as Blair. Uh Mindy Cone was 35. I'm gonna say that again. Mindy Cohn was 35. Natalie would be, therefore, 34. Kim Fields is 32. Tootie is 33. And uh, and Tootie's daughter, Tisha, is 10. Joe's daughter, Jamie, is 12. And thank God they named their children with the same starting consonant. So we know Tootie, Tisha, Joe, Jamie. Thank God. So, yeah. That's where the ages are, in case anyone is wondering. this entire movie was filmed in toronto ontario canada Mm. that's why literally the entire supporting cast of actors who are not the original facts of life cast they are all canadian actors every single one of them probably the only thing of note is that we don't have scott bryce as rick we have Canadian actor Carl Marat taking his place. That's because at this point, Scott Bryce has returned to As the World Turns, which we know is the show the girls saw him initially on, which made Nancy and say, I want that guy to be Joe's husband. So you want to know how it did in the ratings? Yes. It had 11 and a half million viewers. And we were three of them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It had a 7.1 rating and 11 share. Don't know what any of those mean, and it was ranked number 51 for the season out of about 123 shows. So it did very well. Well, I mean, and I
1: made my parents record it in Texas just in case I didn't get to see it. You know.
2: Oh, and, uh, so and, nice. Uh,
1: then, of course, you know when I talked to called my dad after I was like hey dad did did it record and he was like yeah I recorded we watched it and I was like oh okay and he was just like wasn't very good was it (laughs) 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 my parents said that I was like well I mean dad what are you gonna do you know but uh wow they knew how much I watched it you know as a kid as a kid whatever Mm -hmm. you still watch it but yeah that was that was a review from Mary and Raul Padilla
2: (laughs) 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 and their opinion matters Okay, guys, I want to talk about the show, and I'm caught in the weeds here. So what else was on that night on television, Sunday, November 18th of 2001? Well, ABC, this was on from 7 to 9, 9 to 10 was Alias, and 10 to 11 was The Practice. Wow. Blast from the past. Good God. Great
1: shows, great shows.
2: Yeah. On CBS, it was 60 Minutes, and then 8 to 9 was a show called Education of Max Bickford which was a one season drama took place at a college and it starred Richard Dreyfuss and Marsha Gay Harden. So didn't go that far. And then from nine to 11 was a hallmark hall of fame movie called in love and war on Fox. We had NFL football Simpsons, Malcolm in the middle and the X-Files. That's right. The X-Files dominated Sundays, man. That was like, that was some appointment television in, in our house back then. And lastly, NBC had Dateline NBC, uh, and then it had The Weakest Link. Remember when The Weakest Link was on in primetime? The Weakest Link. It was like ABC somehow struck gold with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in 1998. And NBC was like, ah, we found a different game show. Also a British show that we've adapted. People love it. Uh, put it on Primetime because game shows can be on Primetime now and they're cheap to produce. So yeah, the weakest link. I thought that woman was a fucking cuntbag. Why do people tune in to watch a person treat someone shittily?
1: That would be called That yes. would be called the news, but yeah, every day. But yeah.
2: Well, yeah. It's, what was her name? Ann uh, Ann something? Ryan King. <laughs> um, uh, but that's
0: why people watch judge judy i, I don't want to watch this mean old woman just be mean to
2: people
1: no no i've never watched judge no. judy not one episode
2: yeah no anyway. and ugh, yeah no i agree with you and the same thing goes for hell's kitchen and that stuff watching the fucking asshole chef have a meltdown and screaming and yelling at people i'd be like yeah, i've I'm been out. walking out of there yeah it's like absolutely. This is not. This is rewarding people for bad behavior. You can always be gracious. Period. I don't give a shit that a camera is pointed at you. Anyway, end of end of rant. Ugh. And after the weakest link was Law and Order: Criminal Intent. So, definitely there was nothing. Uh, it, it was awesome that I could have watched this. I probably did watch this and then went and watched X Files afterwards. So, that's a good thing. Nerd. Why yada. And then moving on to nuts and bolts. Again, I want to move quickly through this. Good God, I bore myself. A strange fact listed on the Wikipedia page about this movie. It says, quote, The original writers from The Facts of Life were said to either not care, weren't around, or didn't want to be a part of it. So the script was written by Max Ensko and Andy DeYoung with an assist by Kevin Hench and Heather Jorgensen. And that's it. There's no source cited as to what that is. That's such a general statement of, eh, no one gave a fuck about this. So they handed it off to these other writers. Now, I don't know who this Kevin Hench and Heather Jurgensen are. They're not credited anywhere, at least not as writers. They might be story editors, or I don't even know what they call them in a TV movie. But anyway, the movie was directed by Charles Herman Wormfeld. That's a mouthful. Uh, He's directed some big screen movies like Kissing Jessica Stein that same year in 2001. And he directed Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. So most recently, Mr. Herman Wormfeld directed six episodes of a series called Rage Room in 2018. So he's still out there. He's still directing. So the story is by three people and the teleplay is by two of those three people. So... Story only credit goes to Deborah Dean Davis. And she has written for TV, The Incredible Hulk, Fantasy Island, The Fall Guy. She wrote the first 13 episodes of Knight Rider. Also Magnum P.I., Star Trek The Next Generation. And It Takes Two, which according to her IMDB says it is the most popular of all the Mary Kate and Ashley Olson movies. (laughs) Uh, What's so funny, Matthew? Bless her heart.
0: You know, I, re- I wrote for Mary-Kate and Ashley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, a, as a
1: former video store employee, I can say that was one of the more popular ones that people...
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew? So then, story and teleplay were written by Max Ensko and Annie DeYoung. They are clearly writing partners. Their IMDb's are almost identical. He's got like 12 credits and she's got 15 between 1999 and 2014. uh, The only thing I recognize is the 1999 TV series of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids based on the big screen movie. And then there's also a Matthew Perry movie called The Ron Clark Story from 2006 that they wrote about a small town teacher relocating to one of the toughest classrooms in the country. So I will cap this off by saying all three of these writers, Deborah Dean Davis, Max Ensco and Annie DeYoung, not a one of them has a Wikipedia page. God. They are only on IMDb. Oh, thank God. Yeah. But... You're like, so they went to Dick Claire and Jenna McMahon. Did they go to Linda Marsh and Margie Peters and say, do do you want to do you want to take a swipe at this? And they were just like, fuck you. It just you just got to wonder. It is interesting that nobody from the original.
0: Well, maybe Amy will find another podcast about it because I like her style. Amy? Like she's one of those people that like helps you find the the jackass in the TikTok video. Like she's a she's a murder
2: she wrote <laughs> level. I, li- I like her.
0: Are we ready to talk about this? Because
2: we are ready, and okay. I'm all I'm at the point where I am like, guys, oh, let's just throw some shit at the wall and see where it lands. Okay, good. Go. I'm gonna start. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: I'm gonna <laughs> start off by saying i did not hate this however it just the facts of life reunion give me something they could have made this a yearly thing if they'd hit that thanksgiving thing a little bit harder because i forgot several times that it was thanksgiving during this thing Mm -hmm. um it could have been called the Facts of Life and Eastland Thanksgiving or a Facts of Life Thanksgiving. It could have been a yearly thing if they had hit that. I'm just going to say. Yeah. And it should have just been the first, third, and the reunion shows do this all the time. They give us something that has nothing to do with the source material. We got to put them in a new situation. We don't need a new situation. The situation is our friends are getting back together. That's your situation and how they get back together the first 30 minutes should have been of them being them Blair in New York trying to get to Eastland and Natalie in New York trying to get to Eastland and Tootie in LA get trying to get to and being Tootie trying to get through like roller skating through it. anyway 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 point of the story is (laughs) they get to the house they get to Eastland and the rest of the thing is oh Blair owns the hotel but we're sold out and I got to put us all in the same room just like when we were in eastland oh nice and they deal with their current situations whatever they are we don't need to meet anybody we deal with my current current situation natalie what's going on with you oh i'm dating two guys well you've always been a heartbreaker clips of natalie hitting on guys and it going terribly and you know what i mean and clips oh you wanted
2: a clip show movie yes
0: then. Oh, okay. Get I, I didn't get, get me in the feels. Remind yep. me how amazing these women look now, considering that mm-hmm. I haven't seen them in my living room for 13 years. I wanted it to hit me in the feels a little bit more. Mrs. Garrett is in it, for God's sake. Thank you. So I just needed it to hit me in the feels.
2: Yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm shutting up no <laughs> well uh paul what are your general thoughts about the movie
1: uh i didn't think it was great <laughs> you know I, I expected a lot more you know and uh you know sure it was nice to see everybody uh i could do without the extra all the extra people like matthew was saying you know i didn't need to see the kids i didn't need to see the kids go off and do their thing i didn't i didn't care about the kids i mean yeah hey it was nice to see raymond for a second but that was kind of ridiculous Uh, You know, I didn't, I didn't, I I wasn't blown away by it. And every time I watch that, you know, as I get older, I'm like, Oh, God, yeah, it, for me, I was disappointed. I was, I felt like, I mean, I don't know when you want to talk about this or not, but I felt like there was five different styles of acting going on. And, you know, the director, some people were kind of playing it in reality sometimes and then the other things were completely over the top and farcical and and there wasn't a common thread I feel like it was all over the place but you know I still of course I was excited by it and of course I ran to watch it and uh Mm -hmm. but now maybe it's because say that again I mean, every once in a while I, I still watch it obviously you know you said hey <laughs> you, you said like we're doing this you need to watch it and i'm like oh i think i, I watched it like three weeks ago <laughs> oh, like yeah. on youtube you know i was looking for interviews and stuff and then you know they started and i'm like well i'll watch 10 minutes and then there i am at that thanksgiving table you know
2: <laughs> you well know. i'm gonna say as we start matthew and i talked about this last week it was in the extras i think so only the um I think only the Patreon people heard it, but we talked about the fact that we had already watched it before we recorded last week's show, and we were both like, we are not as mad at this as we thought we were going to be. No. And maybe it's because I watched it in smaller chunks. I watched it while I was on the elliptical at the gym, so I didn't watch it straight through. Uh, I got to say, it went down much smoother than I expected it to. And some initial thoughts that come to mind. I'm, I'm gonna make some generalities here. First, this cannot feel like the show we grew up with. It is impossible. Just like we talked about in Facts of Life Goes to Paris, Facts of Life Down Under. When you take the format of a show and suddenly change it, now we're in a single camera where with naturalistic lighting, we're not in a studio with an audience. It is literally impossible for this to make us feel like we're experiencing something similar. Now, that's not for lack of trying. We do get these, like like you said, Paul, we get these farcical moments. We get these slapstick moments. And they actually punctuate them with fast motion, with sound effects.
1: Different camera styles all over the place in this. Like you don't know which, what they're deciding what they want to do with their
2: camera. yeah. Time. Well, they're trying to telegraph to the audience what a laugh track or a live audience would already be doing to say, this is a funny moment. And uh, so that's what I think is going on there. So I, I had to watch it with those eyes like I just need to be happy to be with these characters and learn what it has been going on since we haven't seen them and words I never thought I would say about this movie. I think it has aged well. (laughs) And here's why I say that. In 2001, we didn't have the Lifetime made-for-TV holiday movie. We didn't have the Hallmark romantical movie channel. We didn't have those type of low-budget, schlocky holiday movies. They were not ubiquitous like they are today. Like they put, didn't they put out like fifty of them last year alone? Oh, more than like, like it was. Tons.
1: They have their own channels now, and
2: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And back then, it, it, it yeah, is then an they insane. They were
1: special back then, you know. What I mean, that's you know, what I mean, you're like, oh, there's a Christmas movie on tonight,
2: you know? Uh, yeah, I've mean, got to say, while I was watching this, it made me think of "You Light Up My Christmas," the eh Kim Fields Christmas movie that allegedly had the facts of life reunion. Yeah. Of the cast in it. And I thought to myself, this feels like one of those kind of movies. And this exists in a time when those movies weren't out there so much. We weren't used to it. When you tune into one of those movies, you know what you're getting. You you know the meal you're sitting down for, you know what's going to be served to you. And I think this plays like one of those movies. And when you approach it that way, It sits nicely among the things like it could. This could have just been called a peak skill Thanksgiving. And it could have just been these three girls who went to school together and their den mother all reunite. So that's my spin on it where I was like, I am not mad at this because even though it is not like the facts of life, which would have been lovely and comforting, it at least is like this other thing that is familiar to me so that's my broad assessment of it and if you ever thought i imagine i'd hear myself say this tv movie based on a tv show has aged well
1: well it's probably better than the 85 that or 185 that come out every year i mean you know they just crank those out and yeah they, they, don't, they don't even try to change the storyline you know busy corporate girl comes back to her hometown she gets stuck falls in love with the guy at the Christmas tree farm that she used to know in high school that, and then, you know, she thought he was a jerk, but then she finds out she he lost his wife. And then they get, you know, it's just, they don't even try anymore. They're all that same thing. So this was at least mm-hmm. different. I'll give you that. I'll give you that.
2: Yep. So true. And another thing I think that helps the the thing of it aging well, is that they were all dressed a little more classically the fashion of 2001 it wasn't too crazy 90s with the big oversized things in the shoulder pads the only thing i'm gonna say fashion wise and i i hate this this is luxus this is me being a bitchy queen i do not like mindy Cohn's hair i think that is the only part of it that looks like a, a trend of its time and sadly in hindsight I made a deal before of saying that she, Kim that that Mindy Cohn is only thirty five. I think that hair makes her look like she's forty five. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: I remember thinking she looked older, um, you know, than the others, and yeah, and even watching it recently, it's like, yeah, it just looks a little disheveled, you know, it looks a little. I don't know. But you know, look at me; I have no hair. So <laughs> who, who am I to talk?
2: Well, and and it's just a little matronly. It was one of those where young models skinny models on the runway could wear hair like that and it looked perfectly fine but it wasn't a one-size-fits-all thing and i i want mindy cone to always have the the ringlets of red hair with the wide soft curls that she had in season eight of the facts of life that's how i think she looks best you didn't want her her little pigtails no not the little braids yeah Though I do like the short, the short, short purple hair she had like 10 years ago. That's the picture on her IMDb page. It's gorgeous. Well, boys, I'm ready to start talking about the plot, and I am terrified to jump in too deeply here, particularly because the first 20 minutes is just all exposition and catching up, and there's so much going on. So Paul Padilla, you know what's coming next. This is the point where I am going to ask you to provide a one to two sentence synopsis of this 90 minute TV movie. And I know you are going to freak out and say you are not prepared and be very mad at me.
1: Well, normally I finally figured it out. We're finally at the last podcast to I finally remember to figure it out and to think about it a little bit before. <gasps> so I didn't freak out and I have to say I'm a little proud of this one.
2: You're okay? prepared be
1: prepared and oh I, my I'm, god and i'm proud of this one it's not great but it's better than Do i it. thought it would be for a tv guide ready yes okay so it's going to say what It would say the facts of life reunion movie right yeah so then under that it would say the girls are back in town taking the good with the bad a peak skill thanksgiving reunion brings back familiar faces and hilarity to eastland okay so, uh, i brought you know, i'm proud of myself for that one there you go other ones were kind of like, oh, shoot, Ch- he's mad. You know what mean? I mean? They put that knew. in
2: the advertisement, the full page ad that they took out.
1: I was very proud of that. That was some, and That's I some
2: good marketing. Yes.
1: I mean, I'm glad I remembered. Otherwise, it would have sucked. Everybody's so good. <laughs> Most of the people you talk to are like improv actors and things. So they're always just like spot on with it. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no. Oh, I well, thank you
2: for preparing that. Excellent. No
1: it's been a good run.
2: Okay. All right, guys. So let's try to start getting into this. And I will try to be as brief as I can. I have so, so many nitpicks. All right. No. No. The first scene that we have is on a cruise ship. And this is where we meet Mrs. Garrett. She is dressed in a garb that looks like it comes from the country of India. She's definitely not dressed in her normal uh, Dorothy Michaels blouse and A-line skirt. And... (laughs) We learn that she has been traveling the world. She's now a widow that Bruce, her husband, passed away. They didn't say how long they were married or how recently he died, do they? I don't think so. So, but she, uh, she does fill in the gap that after the Peace Corps in Senegal, we never actually said where in Africa she was, but she says after they finished their Peace Corps Commitment, as it were. She and Bruce traveled to Africa, Asia, and India. After he passed, she felt lost. Bruce was her home. And then she got a message from her girls. And I remembered where home was. <laughs> I get to do my Mrs. Garrett voice again.
1: Woo-hoo! Has she mentioned the poem pilot yet? Or have we
2: got yes to- i i haven't mentioned it i think we already passed it but yes she does mention that her palm pilot is vibrating and it was an email from her son
1: yeah, but even the way she says palm pilot like she doesn't really even know what it is you know that she's kind of like she puts so much emphasis on it my palm pilot you're like yeah, yeah we'll just say palm pilot you know but we want to
2: talk about more of the the 2001 tech that uh, goes through this whole thing we want to do a little sidebar here I want to know how,
0: in 2001, she had Wi-Fi and was getting emails on a boat.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Why average Joe would have had a Palm Pilot, maybe it would have been connected to... I mean, they had cell phones, so your Palm Pilot could get tech stuff from a cell service. I mean, it certainly wasn't smartphone days. Those were still, what, six, seven years away? But uh, the the other use of the tech of the time... Uh, I think this is a show Bible bad thing. And, you know, I'm going to have show Bible good, show Bible bad moments. The show Bible bad is that we have Mrs. Garrett talking about her Palm Pilot. She mentions that she is uh, occupying Harper later by letting him play a game on her laptop. When she first sees Tisha, Tootie's daughter, she says, You're even prettier than you look in your JPEG file. (laughs) what wow was it kind
0: of was it kind of smart though like my you know my mom still calls it the Facebook you know what I mean like was it kind of
2: but she actually was using it and at one point on the laptop she says I'm trying to find a recipe for yams or like she's doing research online Because the internet did exist. You could do that. That was around in 2001. It's just, yeah, Wi-Fi was not a big thing. You had to connect it to a a modem. But I think they're trying to make it that Mrs. Garrett, oh, she may be an old broad, but she's tech savvy. And I'm not sure that really jibes with the Edna Garrett that we knew. But David,
0: if you remember the episode of the year 2000, She had a worldwide
2: advice line. Oh, my God. Matthew, you are amazing. She had a robot running Edna's Edibles. She did. And advice. (laughs) But, I mean, of all the different careers she's had, uh, you know, database (laughs) administrator was not one of them that I can recall. Who knows? But I'm just saying that was weird. I get that there is some fun in the idea of the old person being tech savvy and stuff, but it didn't really buy them much. So just throwing that out there. But anyway, seeing Mrs. Garrett again, she's got her red hair, but it's curly and short, shorter than we've ever seen it. And uh, she is just, she's just precious. She's just like a little... Little statue you just want to put on the shelf. She's freaking adorable. And it's so nice to see her again. So the only other thing with her introduction is that the captain of the ship starts telling her that the past 10 days have been the most incredible. You have changed my life. And it almost sounds like he's going to propose marriage or something. And he asks her if she would go on another cruise with him. And she's like, yeah, sure. Of course, I'd go on a cruise with you. But okay. So uh, our lady, she may be a widow, but she's still playing the field. Still knocking them dead. (laughs) Yep. Still giving them a taste of your strudel. (laughs) So that scene ends with an awe from the audience. You're like, wait a minute, why do we hear an audience? And we jump cut to an L.A. talk show called Wake Up With Dorothy. And it's a daily talk show hosted by Tootie Ramsey. It's Kim Fields. God, she's gorgeous in this. She I mean, really is. Exceptionally, yeah. like, I think rivaling Lisa Welchel, gorgeous. Oh, my yeah. God. Her story is she has this successful... LA talk show, and she's about to go on this vacation. It's seven days. She's going to be going up to Peekskill, New York, going to be hanging with her old girlfriends for Thanksgiving, and her contract is up for renewal. And she's trying to arrange somehow with the contract that she'd be able to be free to do a play that she really wants to do. And her producer's like, why do you want to do a play? We're television. We're more important than the theater. And while she's kind of arguing this point and They don't really come to a resolution. There's also a little girl chasing behind her. And finally, when the little girl says, hey, yo, would you sign this? (laughs) You think it's a girl coming up to her for an autograph. And Tootie says, you don't, hey, yo, your mother. And it's like, oh, that's her daughter. This is Tisha. And Tisha has bad grades on her report card. Wah, wah. You really didn't
0: pick that up that that was her daughter following her around.
2: I did because I'd oh, seen okay. it before. I don't know what I thought in 2001. I was much younger and more naive then.
1: I don't know if Kim feels it fits because she had con- you know consistently worked after the facts of life doing other things, living single, other shows <clears throat> that she for me she was the better actor in this whole movie. You know, she was more natural, she was still funny, she could be in funny situations but not play it, ham it up. She just was the right tone for the whole thing for me. And I remember thinking that when I first saw it, like, Oh, Kim Fields has been practicing her craft. You know what I mean? You can tell she's not rusty, you know, this ain't season
2: five, tootie shouting her lines. Like she's on a Disney channel show. That's for damn sure.
1: I remember just thinking that.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think Kim Fields is especially good in this. So, yeah. So next we go to the Warner park hotel in New York city. Big private suite, staff and flowers and people flowing in and out of this gigantic hotel room. And Blair is at her dressing table and she's freaking out over having a gray hair. We meet her husband, Tad. And when she talks to him about the gray hair, he says, I can't wait to grow old with you. Aww. (laughs) So he says he can't go to Peekskill with her after all. He was planning to, but now he has to stay in the city for business. And she says, well, that's why you married your attorney. I'll take care of it. And he says, no, no, I don't want you to miss any time with your friends. You go ahead. I'll join later. So that's all fine and dandy. Also in New York City, now with a hard rock music soundtrack, we find Natalie in a cab. Her cell phone rings. It says newsroom. And she answers it in first words out of her mouth, lose my number. We don't hear the other side of the conversation, but we know that she says, I cut the piece to perfection. I'm done. I've been on the road for five months and I'm going on this vacation now. Suck a bag of dicks and go fuck yourself. Click. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) But we later learn it's CNN that is the newsroom where she works. She is a successful field producer and that's pretty awesome so she's in the cab and she's starting to do some backseat driving and the cab driver makes the mistake of turning to natalie green and saying you think you can do any better cut to the cab comes screeching and squealing up to the little inn at peak skill and out steps natalie who drove the cab and the cab driver Like falls out, like this journey, which we know was over an hour. Somehow it has altered his DNA. And he says to her, You are a goddess, you have shown me a new light. And so she's like, Well, whatever. Here, this is let me pay the fare. And he says, No, 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 no. Let me pay you. And he gives her money and drives away. And what's the last thing she says? Call that a tip? Something like that. You call that a tip. Jewish Natalie, thank you. Keeping that spirit alive from the TV show.
0: Nobody had a problem with her taking a cab from New York City <laughs> to Midtown peak. to Peak Skill. Yeah,
2: it's like couldn't take the train, couldn't have rented a car. You're totally right. Or, hello, why couldn't she have carpooled with Blair in her limousine? <laughs> Blair has a limousine and Blair lives in the city. So. Mm. What the fuck, man? So this is a charming little inn that we learn is owned by Blair and her husband in Peakskill, And probably one of the biggest surprises of this movie is that we walk into the lobby and Raymond is behind the front desk. Raymond! Yeah, how did that happen? Mrs. Garrett's son, Played by Joel Brooks, the same actor who played him on the TV show, Raymond, who was on two episodes, one in 1983 and one in 1984. That's it. Why? What? And okay, I'm tired of talking. Matthew, will you talk about what Raymond's through line is, like what his reason to be there is? Well, I don't know about that, but I
0: will say Raymond is still a creeper,
2: because if you
0: remember, David, I was on the episode that Raymond was on.
2: Mm-hmm. Brave New World Season 5, Episode 1.
0: Where he, like, remember I was saying, like, how uncomfortable it was to watch him touch his mother that way? Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, curl and he's curling Natalie's hair, and I'm like, Gross.
1: Dude. I never thought about that till now, but you're right. He does do things like that. Yeah, the actor does. Yeah. Stop
2: doing that to her hair. Oh my gosh. I am sharing my screen now. I did a screen grab of Raymond tucking Natalie's hair behind her ear. David, and... That's
1: crazy that you had that available, but that is hilarious. Yeah.
2: And now from Brave New World, you see he's touching her face right here. Yeah. And then... A little minute later, he's picking something off of her blouse. Matthew, get out of my fucking brain! Because <laughs> clearly, this is a thing that Joel Brooks does. This has got to be a him as an actor trying to trying to physicalize affection. That that's something that he does. He's like, well, touch their hair, touch their face, you know, dote on them, groom them, as it were.
0: <laughs> it's a sign of dominance.
2: Oh, is it? yes oh wow i I look at it as a sign of affection creepy affection but affection nonetheless narcissists usually do thank you that's so (laughs) sweet of you i need to stop here why raymond thankfully show bible good they say what no more accounting he's like nope i'm the executive hotel manager well there are problems at the hotel there's a leaky pipe there's other issues and raymond ends up being this through line of the poor put upon staff member whoa i'm reading a plumbing book and i have a wrench in my hand i don't know how to do fixy things you could call somebody
0: yeah i have that as a note later on like when something happens i'm like what why is he call a plumber call a fucking plumber. Because she tells him money is no object to fix this pipe. And I was like, why is he going to fix it? Money's no object.
2: I'm a plumber. (laughs) It's true. So I'm going to start right now with the notes that I want to send to the writers in the time machine. Why couldn't this have been Andy? Mackenzie Astin was 28 at the time, which means Andy would have been 28 at the time. He could say he still hadn't figured out what he wanted to do when he got out of high school. He was thinking of getting into hotel management. He could be working there part time.
0: Why couldn't it have been Clara Leachman?
2: Oh, fuck a duck! that would have been amazing.
0: It is Mrs. Garrett's sister. Yeah. And it is Thanksgiving. I you know
1: she would have done it, too, because Clara Leachman did anything for her paycheck. Very well, I might add, but she did, you know,
2: she's in
0: everything. Blair's like, I had to give her something to do.
2: You are a smarter writer than I. Way better. That would have been great. She could, have, they didn't even have to change the lines. And uh, I'm going to say it later in the show, when the French chef in the kitchen suddenly takes a liking to Mrs. Garrett, when they have that ridiculous scene of him chasing her through the lobby and her,
0: or the more ridiculous scene of her shaking her ass in the camera. Yeah
2: upsetting but when they're running through the lobby there is a cutaway to joel who says hey that's my mother and i literally thought has he had any screen time with charlotte ray up until this point which is like you know an hour and 10 minutes into it they do later have a little short scene but part of me is like what so joel works there And so I guess when they when they do meet Mrs. Garrett at peak skill, Mrs. Garrett says, I stopped by the inn, but I knew I'd find you girls here. So I guess you assume that she and Joel exchanged pleasantries before that. But it's like she Natalie asks him, what do you hear from your globe trotting mother? So it's she's not around like her being there and seeing Joel should be as important, if not more important than her seeing the girls. And they have so, so little screen time to really reinforce that, which then goes back to the original question. So why have this be Raymond at all? I don't get it.
1: He must have known someone. Maybe he knew, you know, he's in the business a long time. Maybe I do the writer. Maybe, maybe the writer was the writer on My Sister Sam. You never know.
2: Yeah, it's very possible. <laughs> yep.
0: He heard paycheck. And yeah, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to stand?
2: So, as I said, show Bible good. At least they acknowledge that he is no longer an accountant, that that is what he used to do. At least there's that. It's not just, hey, I work here now, and I always did. So while they're talking, we get Blair's entrance. God, it is perfect. Like, absolutely, 100% perfect. It happens when Natalie says, wow, how weird that you work here now. And then you hear Blair say, if we're going to open a hotel, and then it cuts to her on the stairs descending. She says, we need to keep it all in the Eastland family. And while she says that, she descends the stairs, steps into a close-up and a perfect diamond pendant. They add a little, kling, a little glimmer and a little sound effect that just perfectly punctuates this is blair fucking warner Mm -hmm. and i live for that shot Mm -hmm. i am here for it i forgive this movie so much of all the little nitpicky shit for that amazing shot showing us that lisa welchel has not aged so this is where Blair says regarding the plumbing problem in room 18 ever since George left, we've been through 10 handymen leaving us to seek their fame and fortune in Hollywood. It's so irritating. That's our little nod to George Clooney, who was at this point a pretty big star. Then we have Chef Gogan. This angry chef comes into the lobby, into a public space screaming at the top of his lungs about receiving coriander instead of cumin. And my first notes are, fuck this guy. What? I run a quality high-end French restaurant, but I come into the lobby and scream like a fucking asshole. It's like, no, bet.
0: His first scene should have been him quitting over that. And then Mrs. Garrett's entrance. Mrs. Garrett, thank God you're here. Oh, we need a chef and it's Thanksgiving weekend. And there's a food critic coming.
2: And I'll do you one better. He could say, oh, oh she could never make French food like I make French food.
0: Okay, we work out the details, but yeah. My and point. then she would say,
2: oh, I studied at the Cordon Bleu. Didn't you see the other movie? (laughs) So the one thing I I have in my notes later is no allusion is made to the fact that Edna is a French chef. She studied cooking in France. It happened in another movie. But yeah, he is screaming in public because he's nervous. Blair says there's a restaurant critic coming. Of course, they're going to be incognito. It's going to be a secret disguise or something. So Blair is being patient with him. Finally, Tootie arrives with Tisha, her daughter. Natalie cries out, "Tootie!" and Tootie goes, "You said you would try." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Dorothy." No, yeah, it does suck. It's like, oh, th- no. Dorothy does not suit her. It never, ever did. Did
0: it? And you're on TV. You're not going to use the name Tootie
2: for God's sake. I I get that Tootie is kind of immature. Is that? Yeah, I think so. I just don't like the name Dorothy. I'm like, who names their kid Dorothy in the 70s?
0: I would watch a TV show called Wake Up With Tootie. (laughs) I would not watch a show called Wake Up With Dorothy.
2: If the original writers had ever figured out why the fuck she's called Tootie, because the excuse that she talked a lot, that she was like a chatterbox... Then call her Gabby. Why couldn't her name? Of, anyway, they do make a running gag of trying to remember to call her Dorothy. And I, I don't blame them for having trouble with it. It really, really is hard. She really doesn't register as a Dorothy. Anyway, the big thing is, okay, we're all here, uh, except Joe, but.
1: She'll be here any minute. Now any, any minute,
2: yeah. yeah. But let's leave anyway. Have we seen the school yet? No, it's our last chance to see our Eastland. So off they go. We see a limo shot of them hanging out of Blair's limousine, and they play the 1980s version of the theme song with Gloria Loring singing it. It is glorious, isn't it?
1: <laughs> if you can't have your clips, your flashback clips, you got to at least have the the theme song with them on the sunroof of a limousine, you know? It
0: made my heart happy. Uh, dude. That was fantastic.
2: I'm sharing my screen right now. Oh. I literally wrote, my heart is happy. Matthew, get out of my brain. David. Uh Uh-huh.
1: You guys are like the same person now. Like, share the same brain. You've been doing all these shows
2: for so long. You're just in sync. Yeah, we've destroyed as many brain cells together. And then we get this exterior shot of the Eastland Academy gates. And it says, established 1893. I
0: should show you my notes where it says David's going to have a problem with that date. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and why am I going to have a problem with that date? God, It's wrong. Why do you, Why is it wrong, though? Very recently. I don't know.
0: I couldn't remember, but I knew it was wrong.
2: In the beginning of the end, when Blair first buys Eastland in 1988, they talk about the hundred year legacy of Jeremiah Eastland. Oh, yeah. That was stated very late in the series. So it should have actually been established 1888. Just saying. Now there's a sign that says the Eastland Academy Redevelopment Project. And the girls say they're so sad they're tearing it down. I think this TV movie thinks that Eastland Academy is one building. Did you get that sense? As opposed to a campus of multiple buildings, which we know it actually is?
1: No. I just thought they were going to make Eastlandland to like a you know strip mall with like Cheesecake Factory, Bed Bath and Beyond, and let's be like, Eastland. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? that's,
0: that's what like I, like I assumed.
1: Like the Loop. <laughs> <laughs> like the Loop. this be Eastland. The Loop.
0: <laughs> oh God, isn't the Loop a nightmare? Oh. Oh, I never go there.
2: Never. 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 Ever. This building, which houses the cafeteria, is being torn down for a bigger, better, shinier building to replace it. I took it to mean the school will go on. I mean, at the end, Tootie says, Tisha, why don't we move here and you can go to Eastland? That's true. So I didn't take it to mean that Eastland was going away. It's just this building this was their last chance to see the building this Thanksgiving and this reunion would be their last chance to be in the cafeteria.
0: Well, and she does say last chance to see our Eastland.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's what's going on, but I still think this movie thinks it's one building and it's not. (laughs) You put a lot of thought into that. Oh, I ain't even begun to thought. So a show Bible, good moment. As they're looking up at this sign, Blair says, huh? If I hadn't sold it, they'd be naming the new building after me. Thank you. That's all they say. We don't know what, when, who, why, or how made Blair sell it to somebody else. But okay, no mention is made of whether Blair was successful at revitalizing Eastland or if she couldn't make it work and had to turn it over to somebody else. But hey, I'll take this. This is a little crumb and I'm happy to swallow it. So let's go to the cafeteria.
1: Talk about, making, talk about making a little gay heart happy. That made me happy. Oh, I know my God. They made the set, and you could see it long ways, the different room. It, it made me happy.
2: That, that scene and that shot is amazing. They go up a flight of stairs, and they walk into the cafeteria. It's a magnificent wide shot with the moving camera and it sweeps around. It lets us look at the whole space, 360 degrees, while the girls are all going, oh, wow. And Tootie saying, oh, I can't believe they moved the payphone as she's touching the column. They did a beautiful job recreating the cafeteria set. Like, yeah, that was a super happy heart moment, 100%. But there is a little problem we do need to discuss, boys. Do you know what it is?
1: Of course there is.
2: They go up a flight of stairs and walk in this side door that has never, ever been there before and does not exist in the TV show. And how many times in the TV show were they looking out the window at, you know, Miko trying to drive Joe's motorcycle and driving into the flower bed? Anytime someone pulls up or my ride is here... They would look out the window and they would look straight out. They weren't looking down. This cafeteria never was on a second or upper floor. That is a complete fabrication that's technically incorrect. But I got to say, still, the recreation of this set and that they made the whole audience side, the fourth wall, we now see it's floor to ceiling windows. That was so fucking cool, wasn't it? Yep. Oh,
1: I want to go field trip.
2: I want to go to there. Yes.
1: There was the time that I was living in the city, and we were driving upstate New York to see some crazy house that was built by recycled materials. It was very cool, but we had to drive like ninety minutes, and we passed Peekskill, and, and there was a sign that said "Exit here to Peekskill." And I mean, I just freaked out and wanted to beg my roommates to pull off but we didn't because you know, we were on the schedule but i was couldn't believe i was so close and yet never never got to see it hmm. but one day we'll all go the three of us
2: yeah we will that would be fun see and then today. we'll take a road trip out to pomona college in claremont california and we'll stand on the the out exterior outside set from season one
0: yeah that'd be cool y'all y'all let me know how that goes <laughs> do you need anything for the bed
1: bath and beyond that it is now matthew exactly
2: (laughs) i do have to point out another thing it's like oh writers you were trying so hard i've got to give you props for trying but this is a super fail as they're going up the staircase someone says i wonder if we'll run into mr parker i wonder if we'll run into mr parker mr parker hasn't been the headmaster since 1988 because blair was the headmaster and in in 1988 blair was replacing that other dude who was packing up his office and dropping shit on the floor so mr parker Parker has been out of the picture for quite some time they didn't say
1: it like they didn't say it like a joke
0: like he's dead or whatever she said it like
2: a joke david
0: like, you know, it's like when I walk into my elementary school, I go, oh, God, I expect Mr. Wombach to come around the corner. <laughs> well,
2: OK, that would I, I could see that. But still. So they say, I wonder if we'll run into Mr. Parker and then says, I wonder if Roy is still pining for Joe. Roy, who was a delivery guy for the bakery, like he, he's not going to be here, do you think? But uh, OK.
1: Hey, they were talking to the ghosts. They were
2: talking to the ghosts of the room. I guess so. But just a couple of trying to drop a couple of crumbs. Ooh, reference to Mr. Parker. Ooh, reference to Roy. Okay, writers. I see what you're doing. I thank you. Um, but you might want to go back to the drawing board with those. So it is, yeah. The set I have I've just going on and on. Seeing them in this set again. And the fact that they had to awkwardly set up that Mrs. Garrett stopped at the inn, but somehow knew you'd all come up here. So Mrs. Garrett is there ahead of them. And we get the wonderful zoom in shot of her standing in the doorway to the kitchen. And this is the moment when finally all four of them hug and everyone is truly reunited. And it is a lovely, Goddamn moment.
0: Yes. Did anyone else have a problem with the writers still calling her Mrs. Garrett?
2: Dude, get out of my brain.
0: (laughs) That could have been an ongoing thing
2: between her and Dorothy. Yeah. Tootie, Dorothy, Mrs. Garrett, Mrs. Gaines. Why haven't you called me Edna? (laughs) They should have been calling her Edna. Back when they switched over our heads, really.
0: They could have been calling her. They should have settled it with, just call me Mrs. G. Yeah, I was going to say, Mrs. G is
2: just what they, just call her Mrs. G. Oh, because it's Gaines. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah, Mrs. G. Oh, genius. (laughs) G. Yes. You see what I did there? Uh Uh-huh. So finally, the thing, the big question, where is Joe? Oh, I'm sure she'll be here swipe kind of a swing hard cut whoosh cut i guess you could call it to back in the inn hard rock music and this little biker walks in while the others are did you notice what the others were doing no they were playing monopoly (laughs) when i have a reunion with my girlfriends that i haven't seen in five years Uh, you know we're breaking out that fucking Monopoly board. Shit's going to get crazy.
1: I can't play Monopoly with friends because then we're not friends at the end of the game. (laughs) It's off. I'm like, can't believe you charged me rent. I'm broke, you know. I can't play
2: Monopoly with friends because it's a horrible, miserable, long-ass game. Not if you play it right. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, this little biker comes in in a helmet and Raymond is like, uh, hey, you might need to wipe your feet, fella. And the helmet comes off and a ponytail falls down. It's a girl. And she says, Who you callin', fella, fella? Enter one of the worst child actors ever.
1: You could I don't understand why they were they, out of all the child actors and all of the casting directors off. I mean, what the fuck? Like, I mean, nothing bad. I don't want to, you know, people to be offended. I'm saying this about a child, but I'm sorry that there should have could have been somebody else that was better than that actor. Uh,
2: I, I found her to be so inconsequential. I, I didn't even really notice her acting, whether it was good or bad. It's it just—it was just like not. Good. It was not good. It was just not. Yeah. Is the whole
0: thing? The kids in this are the combined Pippa of the reunion show. Yes, I Completely I could not
2: agree more.
0: Superfluous. That first scene—you don't hate your mother now. Get in this car. I'm dropping you off at grandma's for the weekend. Thank you. And Joe, it could have been a phone call from Raymond. I just heard from Joe. She can't come. But my real question is when Joe said no, don't do it. Why do it? Yeah. And did they not you know, learn their
1: lessons from season one, too many people, towards the end of the show, series, too many people, and then let's just have a reunion movie with too many people, like, you know. yeah,
2: Too many people and no Joe. That is a problem. We now know in hindsight. I'm with you. It's like, why why do it? And uh, anyway, this whole thing of Rick shows up. It's not the same actor. It's not Scott Bryce as Rick. But he's like, oh, Joe's not coming. Couldn't have called. But hey, can I just dump off my kid and you all take care of her? Sure, no problem. So why can't she make it? Well... Joe and another cop from her division left last night to take a witness to testify on the West Coast in a mob trial. And Natalie says, oh, that's too bad. We haven't seen her in a lifetime.
1: Wow. (laughs) Nice little
2: nods. Yeah. Nancy McKeon was filming The Division, which is her cop show that ran on Lifetime. And Joe becoming a cop, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I have big problems that they, to try and just make that into a joke, they could have made Joe anything, but to say, well, let's, let's have it that Joe's a cop. And this is a little, you know, a little Easter egg for people who know, it's like, to become a cop, all you need is a high school diploma. Many cops do have an associate's or a bachelor's or some type of a graduate degree in something, sometimes criminal justice. If Joe had majored in criminal justice, that would have been another thing. But to take Joe and make her into a cop when she went through all of that shit to be on scholarship at Langley and uh, then to end up doing social work Which already we were like, why did she need to go to a a, a fancy frou-frou college for that? She couldn't have gone to just the local community college. So this just makes Joe a lot messier as far as a career and life path. But we are happy that she and Rick are still together and they have a little girl.
1: But I got to be honest with you, and I might sound like an idiot, but never until you, you even, I never thought of Rick being the same rick you know what i mean like it just hit me when you talked about it today oh yeah maybe i'm a little dense but i just didn't ever, because the guy was different i would never just how he's like i'm gonna go and i can't stay with you at thanksgiving because i gotta lay down some tracks with backstreet boys or whatever he says it's like yeah okay just go just go like we need to be in the room why are you
2: here yeah
0: i didn't even think of him as the rick you know
2: the rickster
0: since it's such an inconsequential character that if you can't get the original guy,
2: don't write the part. Right. We didn't need a new Rick. Nope. They probably could have gotten Alex Rocco if they just needed someone to drop her off. Why couldn't have Alex Rocco have done a cameo and say... Well, I could spend the weekend with grandpa, but I also want to spend the weekend with you.
0: Because why is that kid there? We don't need the kid.
2: Get rid of the kid, too. That's another thing.
0: (laughs) Definitely don't need the kid. Yeah.
2: But show Bible good. Rick is a musician still. And the reason why he has to dump his kid off on the others is he got an offer to play a few tracks on the next Backstreet Boys album. What? What? and the very end of the scene the final button mrs garrett looks at jamie and says who are the backstairs boys (laughs) do they have a jpeg file (laughs) i'm sorry jpeg file is killing me well with this when we go to the commercial We are only 20 minutes into the movie right now, guys.
0: (laughs) Christ, (laughs) David.
2: But there was a lot to cover. There was. So this is going to be a great stopping point, I think. So what we're going to do is we already warned you. You can see it in the title of the track. This is part one. This was going to be a two-parter. We do not do TV movies in one part around here. No, no, no. We do not give them short shrift. So we are going to stop here and tell you guys to tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of the Facts of Life reunion. Thank you, Paul, for being a part of this and for what you will be a part of next week. And until then, thank you for listening and remember. Do you want to say it, Paul? Have you ever said it? The Facts of Life
0: are all about you.
2: There it is. There it is.
0: Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling
2: episode of Let's Face the Facts.